Queens and Beans, hello. Sending you a warm welcome wherever you're finding this conversation today, where we have something magnetic and insightful for you. I'm joined by your local artisan baker and somatic arts practitioner, Andrea Russell, who describes herself as a movement amateur, deriving from the Latin root amare, to love, to evoke one who pursues an activity for the love of it. She's here to speak about exploring grace, place, and facing oneself through the lens of her through-hike of the Appalachian Trail. She curates the platform Soma Hikes, where she has shared on Instagram the living and evolving story of her hike that keeps growing into new seasons of life. This conversation exudes energy and delight, as well as fierce vulnerability. Andrea weaves a story of stepping out into the wild, terrifying, boring, and life-giving experience of meeting yourself at your edge, and the thrill of encountering the person you become on the other side of it all. These conversations become our way of pollinating ideas connecting food, land, and health that we, as cultural worker bees, can alchemize into enduring forms of wealth made by and for the collective. When we look to the wisdom of ecosystems, we see a living model for growing our collective health and wealth through relationship. If we're looking with clear vision, we see that the only layer of separation between humans and the so-called wild is constructed in our minds. At the Wild Honey Collective, we understand that the mind is malleable and that our ideas are the sculptors of the world we imagine and create. If we're listening to the wild places in our bodies and our spaces, we see that we become further separated when we allow our imagination to be tamed. Conversations this season are extending beyond this virtual listening space to our kitchens and coffee shops, where we're sharing stories and skills through our Friday night cooking collective and shelf discovery breakfast and book circle. These offerings are on pause right now due to the latest spread of COVID cases all over the country. But if you're interested in joining when they resume, you can follow our Instagram at wildhoney.collective for updates. Support the podcast by rating and reviewing wherever you are listening. Do it right now and sharing with your friends as well as becoming a Patreon supporter to receive a very special end of season gift that will be announced soon. And now the gift of this conversation of changing and being changed by adventure with Andrea Russell of Soma Hikes. Hey, Andrea. Hi, Amelia. How are you today? <sighs> I'm good. I'm, as I mentioned, in a funny headspace. It's the holidays, but I'm excited to be here with you, truly. Mm-hmm. This feels like such a great opportunity creatively to express so much of my recent journeys, so thank you for creating I'm, that. 
I'm so happy that we're gonna have your perspective about adventure and storytelling and pushing to your own edge as a way of life on this show. I think it's both in line with a lot of the conversations that we've had so far and coming at coming at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. So for starters, what the heck did you do? <laughs> what the heck did I do? I know. Um, <laughs> well, so I love pushing to the edge as a way of life um, because that does describe what kind of what I did. Um, I hiked two-thirds of the AT, the Appalachian Trail, um, from May to late September. I did what's called a flip-flop, which some people know what that term is, some people don't. It's a hiker term that describes starting in the middle. For me, it was Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Hiked north to Maine, almost to Mount Katahdin. Uh, Life happened, so I didn't technically summit Katahdin. Um, But then I went back to the midpoint and hiked south, almost through Virginia, um, before some physical issues, emotional, energetic concerns um, prompted me to, to get off. And yeah, I've been kind of processing that journey and shared quite a bit with with community in Harrisonburg. So it's continued to be very present for me, even though I've been home. Mm. But yeah, I hiked um, the total trails, like 2,100 plus miles. I hiked, I forget what the math is, like a thousand plus, almost 2,000. Yeah. Somewhere in there. I don't know. The numbers after a certain point just... Mind-blowing, like, to think about doing that. It was a lot. Yeah. And it took you, like, four or five months total? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my head, I thought it would be three months on the northern section, three months on the southern, but the northern section kicked my butt. It was so hard um and took me about four months to do wow which was way way longer than I and that's a whole Mm -hmm. a whole conversation on its own like how time impacts our perspective and our more you know sense of like motivation so yes and we're going to get into a lot of these things that you've started to allude to Mm -hmm. about how your experience unfolded the way that it did and what it meant for you. Yeah, yeah. But just to warm us up a little bit, what what inspired you originally to go on the trail? Yeah, I appreciate your thoughtful guiding of this conversation because <laughs> I will go all over the place because there is so much. So to starters. <laughs> um, so what inspired me, right? That was the question. Um yeah, you and I talked about influences of mine. So on the one hand, there were, and have been for years now, writers that I've been paying attention to, um, poets, philosophers, different spiritual um, leaders and thinkers, kind of pulls from the yoga background. Um, so we talked about John O'Donohue, who's an Irish writer, um, passed away several years ago. And um, the way that he talks about landscape as like an aspect of being um it's just this way this presence in the world that is so much more fleshed out um and something that I've aspired to through yoga and then through hiking 
And then another writer who I've been just fangirling over for the past like year or two is Robert McFarlane, who is a British, um, he's a, a professor at um, Cambridge, I believe, and writes these epic um, works that weave together language and poetry and myth and philosophy and he interviews um, just people who have these really intimate relationships with the land mm. um, and it it feels almost impossible to convey how his writing has changed the way that I think about the world around me mm. um, his recent book is Underland and it is just for anybody listening to this yourself included like blew my mind wide open um and then another another influence and inspiration is Annie Dillard um all of these writers thinkers people who concern themselves with specificity in nature and really paying attention um it's so easy to consume right in our culture generally and um I'm really inspired by people who are looking to dig a little deeper. So um, that's kind of like what was forming my my perspective and my approach. But then the nuts and bolts of like why did I hike the the Appalachian Trail is very much like Cheryl Strayed, Wild. Are you familiar with her? Yeah. Yeah, like you know, how a relationship blow up in my life and it was <laughs> totally just, <laughs> romance will do it. It will. It'll just knock you on your, on your seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and onto your feet. And literally onto <laughs> your feet. I just, I mean, this is a whole, a whole story, but I did not know what to do with myself. I was at a real crux, a real like turning point. Um, was thinking of like living in my car (laughs) and like I have friends and family who would have supported me but like I just couldn't feel myself anymore and was really desperate um so it was right around this time last year I was with some dear friends and there's like a little thought that had been in the back of my mind for years of like through hiking the Appalachian Trail came up and I was like yeah that's that's what I'm gonna do yes period yes period (laughs) yeah Nothing else seems to make much sense, but this crazy idea kind of does, so. Wow. Oh, and that's, that really brings my mind to the way that you've, as you've taken this journey, you've shared really transparently Mm -hmm. through a platform, both on a blog and on Instagram, Mm -hmm. through your page, Soma Hikes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think, connected to what you were trying to say by naming your story in that way and also like sharing the way that you did Mm -hmm. through your lens as someone who has practiced deeply with the body Mm -hmm. Andrea has some master's uh, experience in counseling (laughs) as well as um, has practiced as a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. has worked deeply with meditation Mm -hmm. and a lot of other things that come back to the body yeah and how emotions live in the body yeah and here you are like stepping boldly forward into the mountains after like breaking (laughs) like heartbreak and feeling so much in your life's structure kind of fall away yeah 
And then there was this trail. Yeah. There was this story that you've woven. And so much of it does seem about um, clearing away some of the head mm. and sinking into Ooh. the body. Totally. How, how did the trail help you? in that and help you to do that Mm, or mm. like to explore that Mm -hmm. I mean Amelia first of all like I just love how you are encapsulating I love being seen through your lens (laughs) because you know as I mentioned to you earlier it's like I I am in my experience I know what I'm about with all my triumphs and my foibles and I like so many of us can really focus on like man I'm fucked up like especially when you're going through heartbreak it's just like wow I got a lot to work on but um but you know you highlighted some some aspects of my background and my experience that like it totally informed my hike the fact that I named myself Soma Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody who's not familiar, Appalachian Trail through hikers are given trail names by their peers, typically. Some people choose them for themselves, and it's this sort of, uh, I guess, way of creating community and culture on the trail. Like, you become your through hiker self through your trail name. Yeah. Um, and before I and left... And Soma means... Soma. So Soma is um, body in Greek. That's, like, the most simplistic way to describe it. But it, it, there's much more depth to it. Um, a friend of mine, I haven't read yet, um, Pleasure Activism Yo! <laughs> by Adrian Marie Brown, but I need to. <laughs> and a dear friend of mine, when I was hiking, sent me an excerpt from that book on somatics. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, everybody needs to look it up. It just, if, if I can try and approach it here, it's soma somatic therapy is this body-based approach of like change and transformation happening individually and collectively through the realm of experience um and especially as a yoga teacher practitioner I don't really identify these days as a teacher but I am a practitioner of something um (laughs) I don't know if it's yoga anymore but it's something um and as a very emotional, sensory-oriented person, like, somatics have always just made intuitive sense to me. Um, and especially, as I think many people can identify, like, being really heady and getting lost in the space of overthinking and analysis and anxiety. It's mm-hmm. just, it's our culture. It's our way. It's our culture. It is our culture, yeah. Um, but it, it's been truly, like, my path. I think I said this in my notes somewhere with you. Like, my path, as far as I can tell, is making a lot of mistakes. Like, going through a lot of disappointments and upsets and failures and breaks. And learning how to ground in myself. In, like, the fundamentals of my being. Through the body. Through breath. Through meditation. Through um, uh, therapy. Which focuses a lot on on emotional regulation. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, to bring it full circle, I guess, this my idea, and I think it came to fruition, but my idea was that like I would go on the trail to strip away and clear away the distractions of like my regular life, um, the obligations and responsibilities, which was a, a huge privilege that I could step away from my job 
mm-hmm. from everything and just walk for five months. Um, yeah, but I, I knew that I, I desperately needed that um, to get at what was essential in me because I don't think I knew anymore. And that is probably a natural part of our lives. We go through these iterations and evolutions and transformations and we we try things out and sometimes they stick and sometimes they don't. But I had, yeah, reached this point in my life where I was just like, nothing feels like it's working. Yeah. And I was in my Saturn return, you know? Oh! <laughs> I still am. And just terrified. Um, <laughs> there's still, yeah, processing a lot of like all of that. But um, stepping on the trail forced me to slow down, to confront myself, to be challenged, and to rise to meet the challenge and also to fall. And to make my peace with both of those. Yeah. Oh, poetically said. I'm trying. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And you're drawing on the inspiration of poets as well as the poetry of landscape mm-hmm. to kind of navigate this terrain. Mm-hmm. I I do want to touch on one thing before I ask you more about yeah. adventure and experience <laughs> and falling on your face. Sure. And, the physical pain of carrying 30 pounds oh a day. <laughs> we could spend so much time talking about that pain. 15 miles a day. But, yeah, you mentioned the the body as landscape and the, the landscape of beauty, as John O'Donohue puts it. Uh-huh. And I noticed that in your... You're, again, weaving a certain story that connected the body and the wild Mm. right and we can kind of unpack what is wildness yeah yeah. because so much of our culture does find its root in a certain point where we decided that the rational so-called thinking mind is separate from nature is separate from Mm. our natural body and the wisdom that it holds, as well as is separate from people who fall outside of the socially constructed categories of white male thinking. Um, I go that far back because that is when we decided that the earth and bodies were for extracting and, and capitalizing on instead of um, respecting and having relationship with and even having kindredness mm-hmm. oh Amelia with oh this is something that I feel do you mind if I'm because I'm go. like feeling it um I feel that rift within myself and it is a really hard one to look at the way that I've been brought into this world to love this life and this existence and then as I'm learning and having that intuitive sense Braiding Sweetgrass, man. You read that book and you're just like, oh, God. Oh, this is it. That makes so much sense. Like, how could I have lived this long feeling disconnected, not just from me, but from the people around me and from the world around me? And the plant people. Oh, the plant people. Two, like, very key points for me are, like, 
don't, don't we all, I don't know, have moments as kids, hopefully, where we feel kindredness with the grass or the clouds, even if you grow up in like the inner city, but you, like you still have sky, mm-hmm. you still have wind, and you wonder about the sentience around you. I just like, I have memories of myself on like a jungle, not a jungle gym, we had one of those like, it's like wood monkey bars in our backyard and like climbing up there when I was upset about something and like communing with the clouds and Mm. just feeling with what was around me and then also something that shout out to Taylor Evans our dear friend Taylor Evans (laughs) when when I was leaving maybe I was even on the trail somewhere he and Caroline Prendergast another shout out were my like trail parents (laughs) <laughs> and we're so supportive, like integral humans to my to my experience. And Taylor mentioned something about like um, the trees as friends, like looking to each tree. And like yes, we're we're familiar with like oh that's a maple, that's an oak. But what about like each tree's personality, just like with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I know how it sounds. You know, there's always a part of my mind that's doing the critical judging thing I know it sounds woo woo and crazy and yet it was at times so comforting yeah when I was alone because I was hiking alone to try and curate and cultivate relationship with beings around me when there were no humans yeah and that was a way of me like communing with myself because, like, ultimately we have to do that, right? We come into this world alone. We leave alone. We're in community and relationship in the meantime. But, like, this whole hike was deeply about relationship with myself. Like, I, yeah. need, I needed it to be. Um, and part of that was through, yeah, this, like, subterranean, um, I don't even know, like, communing, I guess. Yeah. And it was deeply restorative. I'll say that too. Like we, we all know how it feels to like have a super stressful day and step outside and take a breath and just like feel the sun on our face. And of course there were many other aspects and components to my daily lived experience on the trail, but there was often such a delicious freedom in like, I don't know, it didn't matter what I was thinking. It, it, like it mattered what I was feeling kind of sort of but not really like there was always this level below thought below thinking and feeling where I could just be with the grass and the mud and the rocks and the mm-hmm. and like we were saying before it's so mundane it is the most boring shit <laughs> you'll ever do it's so boring hiking like 15 sometimes 20 miles a day that's all you're doing if you're not listening to music or podcasts or talking with you're just you're just there with yourself. Yes. And, but that's what is, it is profound. Yeah. We and don't get that time or that space. Right. Like being quiet for once in your experience, yeah. right? And it feels like that is part of the reason that a lot of people go to the trail is to cut totally. out the noise. Totally. And, you know, some some people will say, like, yeah, I went to the trail to cut out the noise and confront myself, mm-hmm. like, whether I wanted to or not, mm-hmm. and I ended up uh, meeting a lot of people, and it was kind of like a big party. Yes. <laughs> oh. And you know, like, 
people going to do what people are going to do. And I don't want to like cast judgment. It's, it's such a tricky line, right? It's like, I don't want to cast judgment, but I do because I have my own aim and it's not that. For your own experience, For my, you had yeah. to draw a boundary. Oh, maybe. hard boundary. Yeah. Because that is like party culture on the Appalachian Trail is prevalent mm. and persistent at times. There's this concept of the hiker bubble. And if mm-hmm. everybody starts in Georgia around the same time, March to April. And so it's this massive group of people moving up the East Coast roughly at the same time, which is part of why I chose to hike the way I did in the middle going north, back to the middle south, to miss that crowd. Um, because it just seemed to me, and I think to many hikers, antithetical to the whole reason of being out there. Like, I don't want to get drunk and, like, party on the... And then ha- it just... I mean, who wants to carry their trash? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I hope people do. That yeah, the at least through hikers do. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of again to each their own. You hike your hike, but this is not what yours was about. Yeah, not at all, not at all. And that hiking your own hike is a through hiker like code. Um, and I didn't realize, like, truly how much it was abided by until I was out there. And it was affirmed to me. Like, I needed to hear it so often. of like, hey, it's okay to do what you have to do. Yeah. And I wish, I don't know, I think maybe there is some of that in our regular lives. I think increasingly so. Mm. We're working to kind of shift this, like, this is what you should do. Of Like, no, do what you need to do. But especially out on the trail, like, your well-being mentally, emotionally, physically depends on you listening to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings it back to the body again, because mm-hmm. this is a space where a, a subculture has mm-hmm. been created where there there is a code that involves holding space for whatever it is that you came out there on this endeavor Mm. to do Mm -hmm. and we don't have a code like that in our in our dominant culture except that one that was put on us that's like well you're here to work oh Amelia (laughs) and you're here to produce yeah dude and so what I think we are talking about here on this podcast is like part of the role of being a cultural worker or a cultural worker bee mm-hmm. is about um, creating more of a space for us to create a kind of informed wisdom that comes from the wisdom of ecosystems, mm-hmm. that comes from the wisdom of mm-hmm. wild beings mm-hmm. like the honeybees or, or any anything that is non-human that has continued to abide by an older code mm. that we have left behind once we started commodifying yeah. ourselves and the world. And that is part of, I think, why it's so valuable to embark on an adventure that takes you so far removed yeah. from what you know yeah. and that really puts you on the ground yeah. with the reality for whether you like it or not Mm -hmm. of a wild place and it's it's not wild in the sense that it hasn't been touched or altered totally I appreciate you saying that because every space has been at this point and that is just a sobering sobering thing to sit with but at the same time it's like 
your your currency there is very different yeah from anything that you could get for yourself at home 100 percent. yeah yeah i i i don't know if i like was able to articulate this in the previous sort of like phase of our conversation but like the rift that i was experiencing it has to do with that code that you're talking about like the code that we're given in our culture versus the code on the trail. And it's why I think so many people, once they enter into that culture, never leave it. Like through hikers who just, like there are, it, there's a term called a yo-yo. Did you hear that one? Mm-mm. A yo-yo through hiker is someone who goes Georgia to Maine, turns right around and hikes Maine to Georgia. Oh my God. <laughs> Nuts. But there's there's something very compelling about trail, trail culture or like people who hike and then go to work for hostels right on the trail because mm-hmm. they don't want to leave that community. Or they hike the Appalachian Trail and then the Continental Divide Trail through the middle of the country and then the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. And then they just hike over all over the globe because you just, there is so much to it that subverts or challenges the predominant code of consumerism and capitalism and this really damaging code um, in many ways. Yeah. Um, and to bring it to like a personal specific level too is downright comical sometimes to like find myself grappling between those two of like I deeply am yearning for something different for myself. I'm not okay in my current iteration in, in society, right? Like I'm, I am seeking mm-hmm. um, whether it's like to develop my own code to find one that's just for me or to maybe try on aspects of hiker code. And then also to find myself in my tent sometimes on fucking Instagram, you know? Like just <laughs> kind of going back to what is comfortable and what is typical. And that's the other thing about when trails, and this is a whole conversation too, but like outdoor access to outdoor experience is becoming more and more accessible um Mm. and so the trail is becoming more popular and especially during the pandemic a lot of people were going out of doors because that's where we felt safest yeah um but then it's this really interesting sort of just like superimposing of the code of our culture onto a a wild natural place i just i don't have any words for that yet it just felt strange yeah um and so there can be this sort of hierarchy of like through hikers putting themselves on a pedestal because we're out here for real. Like we live out here. I mean, yeah. ba- bears are on top of us because they really live out here. But like <laughs> through hikers kind of casting judgment on day hikers, uh, you know, and like these different levels of like who belongs out here? Yeah. Who has a right? And that even leaks out into. Like, when I was nearing the end of my hike and feeling really, um, just really struggling in a lot of ways, particularly with my own feelings of failure and not following, like, I wasn't making it to Katahdin in Maine and that felt like, I don't know, am I even valuable as a hiker anymore? And reading this article, um, oh gosh, this young woman's name is escaping me. I think it's Vanessa Chavez. She wrote an article for, um, wow, 
You can send it to me. Okay, I'll send it to you. <laughs> it was really impactful, though, because she wrote about when we talk about conquering mountains as athletes, when we talk about, like, getting to the summit, and there are through hikers who, like, don't even care about it. It's just all about getting to the end and totally forsaking the journey. Um, you know, what, is that, what does that do to us? What does that do to the world around us? Mm. Um, and really kind of made me take a step back because everybody focuses on the accomplishment of a through hike, what you did, how big it was, how impressive. Yeah. When what's really like at the, the heart of it and what other through hikers, and, and some people will get this too, of like, no, it's the daily grind of just living out there. Um, it's the process. Yeah. 100%. Like, I, I got, and this is why I stopped. I was like, I, this process isn't valuable anymore. Or, or it is, but I need something else. Yeah. There's so much in what you've just opened this conversation up into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that I think people can, can map onto their own experience of, like, experiencing how our culture shifted it towards like outdoor spaces during mm-hmm. the pandemic and also who had access to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but while we're here, you are starting to touch on what, how your plan changed mm-hmm. and how your expectation changed throughout the course of your hike. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could get a little deeper into that part of the story. Mm, yeah. Yeah, um, how my plan and my expectations shifted. I think about like, and this goes along with hike your own hike, like everybody has their own chapters and evolutions in their life and specifically on the trail. And I know for me, initially, it was just such a relief for weeks, for the first month or two, just a sweet relief and it's so exciting and new it's the honeymoon phase of a new relationship or something like (laughs) everything was fresh I was so grateful I was really focused on like what I'd set out to do to sort of clear away and get back in touch with myself and reprioritize and then after a couple a couple well I'll say after the first month or two probably Um, I was maybe around like Vermont and the terrain started to shift and get harder Mm. Um, and there were more hikers now because all of the fast moving northbound hikers were starting to pass me I wasn't quite in shape yet definitely around New Hampshire anybody who who I've talked to about New Hampshire knows that I I'm a, I've already cursed on this podcast, so I know I can. Yes. Like, I fucking hated New Hampshire. <laughs> it's such a beautiful state. And the whites were so, the white mountains in New Hampshire were so gorgeous. And they just ripped me to pieces. I was just mm. so, I was over that honeymoon phase. I was starting to get tired, starting to get heart homesick and questioning, is this the right thing even? I've been out here for so long. I'm getting lonely. And then that gnarly terrain, it just rubbed me raw. <laughs> rubbed me raw in a way that I've never 
and it continued into southern Maine. Like, I just didn't know a trail could do that. Mm-hmm. I was, we yeah. have a lot of people listening who know that that part of the trail very well. Yeah, and well, and some people loved it. They're like super fun. You're rock climbing more than you are hiking, and it. Yeah, there were parts that I could like enjoy and, and appreciate. But I, I've talked with friends about this, too. It's like when you're in Virginia on the Appalachian Trail, you're just like, the valley is like pure sweetness. The trail mm. is like soft and mellow and well cared for. And the mountains are gentle and rolling. Um, and you just feel cared for. I don't know. But then... In the whites and in southern Maine, there is this sense of exposure Mm. that you feel on a visceral level of, like, you're above tree line where the sun is hot or if it's raining, you're getting, like, hit with sheets of rain and, um, again, the terrain is super rocky, just, like, slabs of slippery granite, endless slabs. Um, oh, so many bruises on those doors. Oh, so many bruises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just had never been taken that far physically to my edge before. And, of course, that had implications for every other aspect of myself. Like, yeah. when you put your body through something like that. Um, so I definitely got pushed to my edge and broke down in southern Maine, which I, I needed to happen. Mm. Um I can, like, bring this back to the heartbreak that I had been through and really, like, throughout my entire life of, you know, how do we deal with disappointment and sadness? How do we let ourselves experience grief? Mm. And, like, feeling just utterly destroyed and letting other people in on that? Like, I, I told you, like, there were, I thought I was going to die so many times, either because I was, like, going to take a really gnarly fall or just, like, I wouldn't be able to hold all these feelings. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there were um, shadows of mine, psychologically and otherwise, that I needed to start having dialogues with because it is a part of our life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we, like, I can keep, you know, trying to maneuver to avoid it, but that trail definitely um, confronted me. Yeah. Made me confront myself, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, by the time I, you know, made it to Maine... My best friend was leaving to do a year abroad in Kenya, and I, I was behind schedule. I was going to miss her departure, and that I just couldn't fathom that. And, and then the day that I was supposed to summit Katahdin, my cat unexpectedly died. Wow. Yeah, it still, like, breaks my heart. I'm, like, tearing up thinking about it. <laughs> it's just, um, it was such a hard time. And I just, it put things into perspective of me of like, I don't care about this mountain. I do not (laughs) care about, I care about getting home to see my best friend, to visit the grave of my, my cat that I'd had since college. I just, it didn't matter anymore. And then I guess to wrap this whole thing up, like going South for me, 
but the expectation shifted like I was starting to get a sense of what my priorities were like I had met that trail I'd been challenged and pushed way past what I thought I could do I didn't meet the like traditional finish line but that that was never what it was about for me in hindsight um although it's interesting now that like I've given myself permission to take time to take rest and to step off like like I do want to go back and finish yeah and I do want that for myself for very different reasons um so it's it's very much an ongoing journey but one that I think I can hold much more loosely and compassionately and allow for it to take whatever shape or form it needs to. Like, people will say the trail's not going anywhere, and it's true. Like, yeah. There's no timeline. And that is something that, like, we can... I try to take in for my own life. Like, there's no timeline. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to do this, truly. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the messages that have been coming up in therapy for me, which is... I came home and I was like, I need a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that, that I've been very vocal about. That was your summit. <laughs> that was my summit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of this for me, like the way I talk about the trail, the way I talk about myself and about life in general kind of comes back to like wellness. Mm-hmm. Not in the way of like, oh, I'm trying to like, be perfectly healthy and happy all the time but like mm, I guess reflecting on on how much work there's been for me emotionally and energetically that was really bypassed in my youth by like trying to accomplish and be successful and hit these benchmarks do the things that outwardly look like yeah so that that's where I am currently is and it's taken a lot of stripping away um like what what is actually going to bring me maybe not even wellness but wholeness mm. <sighs> uh. <laughs> you said that so beautifully oh thanks I definitely have that like you know when you get super deep into a topic, you just feel like you're almost on a in somebody else's, but I don't know. Flow state, maybe? Oh, yeah, that's what a it is. A little flow. A little flow. I, I feel that flow in, like, how you circled through that whole part of your trail experience. Of your experience. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, it seems like you you embodied a really, like, a larger kind of archetype and truth. It's like you had your eyes set on that summit. And then all of these anchors in your life kind of turned you around and you were never going in the wrong direction. Mm, yeah. Even once you chose yeah. to literally turn back. Yeah. To go back to what was most important to you. Totally. Totally. You and I, or you'd asked me a question um, in preparation for this about, like, expectations and reality, right? And, like, circling back to that. When we're planning for, like, any kind of trip, 
before we know what it's going to mean for us, but like a big trip can be just putting yourself in a new place. Yeah. Again, to speak to like how landscape can evoke things in us and, and change us just by being somewhere else. Mm. Um, and how when I think back to my expectations, like I knew the trail was going to change me. I knew I needed to be changed. I had no idea how that was going to happen. I just knew it needed to. But one thing I remember, one rationale that I, you know, kind of very logically reasoned for myself is like, <laughs> I need to prove to myself that I can finish something. <laughs> I need to prove to myself or like that I can like follow through on my commitments or like that I can trust myself, you know, cause that's what we want. When we say like, I'm going to sh- show that I can finish something. Is it really about the, the completion or is it more about the discipline and the dedication and the commitment and the trust? Right. And so it's funny because I didn't finish. Yeah. <laughs> LOL. LOL. <laughs> um, and realizing that it was, it wasn't a, I didn't need that though. What I did need was my commitment to myself. Yeah. And what I did need was this like continual affirmation that like I can hike my own hike. I can trust, I can trust myself. Like there's, yeah. And how funny that is now that like, oh, I, d- I do want to actually finish this hike though. Like not, but for, <laughs> it's different now. It's no longer coming from this place of like, God, I dropped out of grad school. I like lost this relationship. I can't, you know, all these these narratives, these inner stories of like, I can't finish anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, I laugh now because gosh, you know, previous me and sometimes present me like really struggles with that, that yeah. cultural pressure to perform. Ugh. To perform a, a new accomplishment mm-hmm. or like, oh, I'm worthy now. To wor- yeah, I was I'm valuable say. now. Yeah, I won't be sad anymore. Yeah, or or I'll feel accepted or whatever. So yeah, like a lot of this is the stuff that I don't know if people like anticipate when they ask me like, how was your experience on the trail? I'm like, well. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Have you read Dante's Inferno? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's so, it's so, I, this is another thing that I made notes about for you, but like, I love this, like diving into this space of shame and what we hide and our like despairs and sorrows. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's that thing of like therein lies are like I don't know if I want to say blessing per se but like it's there's a pith I guess of experience there that I don't always want to be afraid of I don't want to um oh what's the word wallow either yeah but I don't want to keep sidestepping it Um, yeah You had written something on one of your posts um, that was a quote from Parker Palmer, The Courage to Teach. Yeah. And Parker says, and you said, integrity requires that I discern what is integral to my selfhood, what fits and what does not. 
and that I choose life-giving ways of relating to the forces that converge within me. Mm. And I think it's so beautiful the way that you've told your story in its truth. Mm. Also just choosing to highlight the parts that were things you couldn't have expected when you were dreaming of this adventure, like things that you didn't know would be that way you needed to change and be changed. Yeah. But finding finding it in the like the journey setting its own container. Like you're not mm. even finished. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I ever will be. Exactly. And that's the other, it's all, it's life-giving and it's terrifying. I can never decide, you know? (laughs) It makes me think of, and I love that you brought up that Parker Palmer quote, which I was assigned that book in my first yoga teacher training. Oh, nice. By my dear teacher, Shannon Hardy, who's, I'm just going to keep shouting out because, you know, our people, they form us, they shape us. them up. But, um, yeah, it, 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 kind of begs the question what is life giving what do we mean by that and it's so unique and personal and there are these broader human truths I think of the Pema Chodron quote um, something about like to be human to be alive is to be continually thrown out of the nest oh my god yeah I love that one I hate it I love it I don't know or or as we were chatting before this like the edge it's it's right at the edge and to know like to know where that edge is and to monitor it like i in my at hike had to go past my edge cuz i'd never gone that far before i had no idea what was out there um and and now i have this new relationship with my i i've stretched and, you know, it's, I guess you can go back, but I'm not sure I want to. And this is like the next phase, I suppose, of like, oh, now I'm out here and this feels very foreign to me. And I'm emerging into this version of myself that is at once familiar and, and also new. Who is she? What does she do? How does she talk? Um, and that constant conversation and journey that Parker Palmer alludes to in that quote of like finding our integrity moment by moment by like meeting ourselves at that edge is this too much Mm. is this the right flavor is it the right direction I don't know touching base it's that like in and out and that's the other skill that I'm trying to learn um because I, I I can't escape to the trail and spend my whole life as a hermit I don't want to it doesn't seem right yeah. Our, our world definitely seems like it requires um, right now engagement and presence. Those are the same words that I was thinking. Yeah, in a heartfelt way. Like our world really needs love. <laughs> and part of how I'm trying to do that is is not make myself a martyr, but like I'm sure this is a pleasure activism thing, too. I really need to read this book. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> of um, st- 
self-nurturance in the way of like, am I still at the edge? Am I still meeting this moment courageously, um, vividly, so that I can sort of be present for other people and, and my life in that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think, I don't know about you, Amelia, or anybody else listening, but I know for myself does require periodic retreat. Like, you can only spend so much time at your edge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's why we have a winter. <laughs> the, the hand gesture with everyone could have hello <laughs> yeah yeah talk about like aligning with natural forces yeah i mean there's a time that is sketched onto the sky mm. and our life force that is like it's time to lay down and it's time to go in yeah and to gather ourselves a little bit closer to the hearth so that we can come back again Mm -hmm. to the edge that we need to confront Mm -hmm. and traverse with our full energy and capacity. Yeah, dude. Cycles and seasons, natural cycles and natural seasons are incredibly comforting. To, to lean on in their themes and in their concerns. I, um, you know I love astrology. Oh, yes, I do too. And I've been deriving a lot um, of wisdom from, from listening to Chani. Chani Nichols. Yeah, we love her. Yeah. She, um, her readings, like, every week. And I guess I'm talking about this because it, it is a continuation of like being on the trail and rising with the sun and going to sleep with the moon and continuing that habit now as a baker like I'm still mm. waking with the sun and going to bed with the moon and and I forget that that's not typical that that is not the way because it feels so good yeah and I'm not at all like prescribing this necessarily because we all have to figure out what works for us but I know for me it has been incredibly helpful to like pay attention to what's happening especially to have someone break it down for me it's like oh yes the moon is in such and such a phase and mm-hmm. these things are happening and to take it all with a grain of salt too like I'm not about to make astrology my god you know or but like with anything any art form any skill or craft like paying attention to what it evokes in us and yeah yeah and taking our natural teachers for yeah their offerings Mm -hmm. I think we've evolved with all of the cycles that you just named Mm. and it's very intuitive for our bodies to follow them Mm -hmm. and that's where I think our bodies biologically feel the most at ease when we're in the of course it's going to vary based on life experience but there are teachers absolutely So, just coming back to this edge concept, mm. I think, as a way to wrap up what you've shared. Okay. Um, yeah, so, as we live and get older, how do we keep dreaming of adventure? Mm. And how do we keep putting ourselves 
at the edge of growth and adventure, even if we have to limp there, <laughs> carrying the wounds of being knocked down by all of the disappointments that come along the way of trying to, of trying. Mm. Mm. I love this. I was just thinking about this prior to our chat. How do we keep dreaming and putting ourselves at the edge of growth and adventure, even if we have to limp there? Simply, we keep getting up. We just keep doing it. Yeah, accepting disappointment not as a marker of something gone wrong, but as a completely natural and to be expected element of our living, especially if we are to really live and take risks and explore and experiment. Mm. There's nothing wrong with with our wounds and our bruises and our scars and our signs of having lived. I think the only, if we could even call it a wrongness, although I don't like the word, I don't like words like failure or wrong. You know, they just feel bad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put That's that on. That's what they're supposed to be. I don't want to put that on myself or anybody else. I actually looked this up, Amelia. Um, the older definition of the word failure, mid-17th century, non-occurrence. Mm. Just didn't happen. Whereas now it's lack of success, an unsuccessful person. Mm. But yeah, like, the only thing I, I wouldn't wish for anybody, I guess, is like, to feel stuck or stagnant Um, and it makes me think about like yeah like anyone who's ever struggled or felt depression or felt like a failure in the modern sense there is this feeling of non-potential of like this is it no more growth for me I'm never going to change. This is it. Sort of defeatist. And when we talk about dreaming and evolving and adventure, there is there is like a a leaning into the unknown. Like maybe this is it for you. I don't know, but what if it's it's not? What if there's more? Well, then what? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think for me, dreaming and planning and creating and exploring and imagining all these life-giving, mm. rejuvenating acts of being human and alive, um, ask me to have a little faith in what I don't know. <laughs> There's really nothing to add to that. That's just mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Period. (laughs) Thank you so much, Andrea. This has been really nice to hear about the depths of what adventure held and holds for you in a pandemic. Yeah. And out on the open path mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of us are really going to appreciate what you 
chose to bring today so oh amelia oh thank you it's been an honor you're you're so skilled i so appreciate clearly the effort and intention that you put through and you're so good at this work it was like semi-cathartic for me so it I'm was just... cathartic for me yeah i th- the anytime you can get into a flow state with somebody i just it's we got so good. there i know i feel it yes um so i'm really i feel so honored and privileged to be here with you and uh yeah thank you anyone who wants to follow the stories that you're telling yeah. or your work as a practitioner yeah. of that something uh-huh do you, is there somewhere that they should look to find you? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of the only place right now that I'm um, um, vocal, I guess, is Instagram, Soma, dot, hikes. Um, I'm pretty sparse and sporadic these days. I'm feeling a pull inward. It's winter. It is feeling pretty private. <laughs> But um, I'm also working on a project, a writing project with my hike that'll be forthcoming, I guess, sometime in the year. I don't know. Cool. But that's where I'll be. So So anyone who connected with what Andrea shared and what's, what's coming, well, that platform combines photography and writing in a really beautiful way, as well as Andrea's wisdom of the body. So... Definitely follow her there if that if you want to hear more. Thanks, Amelia. <sighs> I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And it'd be really meaningful to me if you would share any feedback and reflections that you have about what you've heard today and throughout this season through Instagram at wildhoney.collective or through our website wildhoneycollective.org. You can also make an immense impact on this work by giving it a positive rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and sharing it to friends that you know would appreciate it. Wherever you find yourself at the closing of this conversation, I hope that you go forward with a little extra grace for yourself in the tangled and beautiful process of doing the life thing. Meet yourself at your edge. It will be worth the risk. For all you wild honeys out there, keep creating. <laughs>